joined by Michelle Cantliffe, who is, uh, well, uh, would it be right to call you an accidental poet? He can if he wish. In the nicest possible way, because (laughs) there's an interesting little story to how you, 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 you put these wonderful things that you've created, Michelle, in verse, in a book. Mm. It's here. Look at this, listeners. Let me show you. See, have a look at that. Can you see it? There you go. With pictures, with illustrations. Black and white with pictures (laughs) in. Always good for radio. But, no, seriously, I mean... I think while everybody was bemoaning the fact about COVID and everything else being a, a, a blight on society, and of course it was, but it did you a favour almost, didn't it? Did. it? Tell yes. us a little bit about that. So I've always written different sorts of poetry, but just as a hobby. And then during the lockdown, I was in a bubble with mum. So it was just myself and my mum, who's in her 80s, in the house, and she was watching television, and I don't really like television. And I write... And um, so I was writing lots and lots and lots and lots of poetry. And I I tend to write about the old mill towns of the north between the years 1900 and the 1960s, when times were rough and times were tough, but people got through it with great determination, hard work and a lot of love. And so I built up hundreds of poems during the two years that we were all stuck inside. And then a friend said, "Why don't you, um, why don't you make a book of it?" And so I have. It just happened like that. <laughs> just somebody's casually mentioning, right, Michelle? Come on, you've got nothing else to do in your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you say you've always enjoyed poetry, mm. and and um, it, it, are there any of the um, uh, the great poets that have kind of influenced you at all, or is it something that you've just gone, yeah, that's good, but I could do better, do you know what? When I was very small, and mum used to get women's magazines, there mm-hmm. was one called Patience Strong. Oh, I remember, my auntie used, used to love Patience absolutely Strong. Absolutely love that lady, yeah. And then at school, I liked Walter Delamere, but I couldn't quote any. <laughs> but I just, <laughs> like, I just can't stop myself. It, um, you know Fred Fielder? Who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? He will just say, Michelle, blah, 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 give me a sentence, and I could just write a poem about it. So, uh, and that's what I do. It's just, I don't know why, I just do it. There are many people that have got that talent. I suppose it's it's akin to people that can just suddenly, I don't know, stand up and sing a song without being phased. Or, well, I can't or sing. Don't even ask me. Be very sorry. <laughs> but um, a local radio station asked me if I'd do a few on their station. And then people were saying it reminded them of the grandmas, the great-grandmas, the mums, even themselves when they were young. And it brought about lovely memories, so I continued to do it. And that's why I decided to make a book. Well, it's all down to Fred, and good morning, Fred, if you're listening. I know he does, because uh, I was chatting with Fred the, the other week, and I know he's not been well. He's had mm. another heart attack, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He's <laughs> but, but the trooper that he is, we went round to interview him yeah. uh, about his heart attack, and he's, you know... 
I didn't know anything about this because I rang him up for something completely unrelated and, and we were just chatting. He answered the phone straight and we were just chatting and we'd been chatting for about 10, 15 minutes and then all at once he said, did I tell you I've had a heart attack? I said, mm. when? Mm. He said, just a week or so ago. He said, I'm in bed now while I'm talking. I said, mm. Fred, I wouldn't have bothered you. Mm. You know, but honestly, mm. some people just get up and get on with life, don't and they? And he likes to be talking to people. It's better than just sitting there, isn't it, in it's, the bed being a bit miserable? It certainly is. Mm. Um, you mentioned school. Would it be, again, a reasonable assumption, Michelle, that you were, you were very uh, talented at English at school? I was, yeah. yeah but you I liked, went to a very it. good school, which was in uh, Failsworth. Oh, where was that? It was Stansfield Road. Right. And it was an extremely good school. But when I was about seven, we moved over to Worsley. Yeah. But I still continued writing. It's just what I do, you know. Played piano as well. Really? But I don't sing. Don't even ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I ended up, um, years later, a few years ago, uh, getting a little spot myself on local radio. And, of course, then I met Bernard, Bernard Cromarty. Oh, Bernard. Oh, yes. And he's been a big help to me, he really has. Yeah, well, Bernard's a... Bernard's a star, not been well himself, of course, but uh, again, all these people we've mentioned, the troopers, aren't mm, they? They absolutely, just, they just get, yeah. get on with things. Yeah. Um, you, you've brought in your book, uh, yeah. Scenes from Smoky Top Salford yes. in verse, which we're, I know we're going to have a listen to some uh, on the programme, but uh, I wanted just to have a little chat with you, Michelle, just to find out a bit, a bit about the personality <laughs> behind the voice. Um I mean, your 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 works are they available for people to buy? Are, oh, they, yes. are they on Amazon and this kind of thing, or other bookshops are available and all that? They're going in the bookshop soon. I'm I'm going to be going to Waterstone soon to do a signing. That'll be fun. Are you really? Yeah. I am. I in the company of a, pro- a proper. I am, aren't I? But <laughs> blimey, I'll get I'll get me a limited edition copy if, mm. I, if, I, if I play my cards right, listeners. You never know. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Listen, um, I know. We've said right at the start that you are very, very well used to being in a radio studio and doing this. So it will be wonderful. Uh, and, and thank you for, for allowing Oldham Community Radio to share in what is your success. Mm, thank you for and, having uh, me. Yeah. It'll be, well, we can't pay you, but, you know. It's <laughs> like, but, I don't want paying, <laughs> funnily enough. Only with kindness mm, and gratitude. And, friendship. Uh, and That's friend. Communication and friendship is what matters. Absolutely. Especially with the last few years being the way they were. It's not been the easiest, has it? As you no. say, you you were in that position where um, where you were looking after somebody very close to your heart, and mm. uh, and and then decided that you you did do this, and it's a wonderful thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Thank you ever so Thank much you. for doing that. Uh, lovely to chat, Michelle. I guess we'd better hear one of your poems in a minute, so we'll do that. Thanks, Michelle. Okay, I'll start with fish and chips. I've just come out of the chippy, and it started to rain. I haven't got a jacket on. I know, brolly, what a pain. Sun was shining yesterday, t'was hotter here than Spain. And now it's raining cats and dogs, and I'll get drenched again. Me fish and chips and mushy peas are wrapped in daily news. I've just stepped in a puddle and have soaked me flaming shoes. The paper's ripping round me chips, I've got nothing to lose. I poke my finger in the hole, ooh no, what shall I choose? My hands are wet and freezing cold, and I'm soaked to the skin. My chip paper is sopping wet while I dig my fingers in. Ooh, that's hot. It's smelling good. A vinegar and salt, I grin. Ooh, there's not so good as fish and chips, and I'm going to tuck right in. I'm munching bits of fish and chips 
Oh no, here comes the bus. I need to get home out of this rain. Conductor's going to cuss. If I get on with fish and chips, she's a right sour puss. Should I get on and risk it? She will make a fuss. Oh, never mind. I'm already drenched. I'm going to walk it home. My lovely chips and mushy peas and fish are nearly gone. I'm saturated to the skin, eh? To me very bones. But me grub's me only comfort as I walk the last mile home. This one's called Magazine Dreams. Lots of photos of pretty ladies dressed up like in a dream. Showing legs and showing arms. Faces all made up and eyelashes like Bambi's. It sure made our eyes pop. My mum said they were models. Advertising swimming wear. We don't get sun in Oldham like they do over there. Me, I were Bill and Harry. We couldn't help but stare. Flaming exit, Harry. They don't wear much out there. So where's this place in Hollywood? Harry wants to know. It looks better than Oldham. Our Harry's fetched a paper in. We've not seen its like before. He found it down the back alley. It was lying on the floor. My mum called it a magazine. We thought it was a scream. And I'd really like to go. Don't be daft, our mother said. It's halfway around the globe. It costs more than an arm and a leg. They'd have to get a job. And save up for a year or two if you wants to go there. But don't be daft, our Harry. Just be happy where. The good Lord has placed you here in Oldham Town. Get you a job and save some cash and put a deposit down. On a house and get married. Maybe you'll have some kids. Forget that place called Hollywood. Your father never did. Fancy going to live there with the likes of them film stars. Aye, it looks nice in the magazine, but it would take your hours upon a boat or on a plane to get you sent away. No, my lad, stop here with us. Listen to what I say. It might look nice in Hollywood. There are no pits or mills. What would you do for work out there? I don't think you will. Like it much, you would get bored. Give that paper to me. I've got a better use for it. I'm sure you will agree. My mum, she took the magazine and ripped it up in shreds, tied them up in little knots, and to us all, she said, Stick them in the earth, my lads. No Hollywood desires. We can use these paper knots to help us light the fire. Put the coal on top of them. Now watch, and with a match, my mother set the knots alight. We watched as like a flash. The coals on top began to burn. There, see, our mother grinned. The better use as fire lighters and don't bring no more in. <laughs> ragbone. Ragbone, ragbone, a cart trundles past. The horse pulling it looks dejected. Ragbone, ragbone, and quick as a flash. Out of our front door, I ejected. The sound of the poor horse's hooves on the cobbles, the noise of the wheels turning round, the yell of the ragman's voice fading away, my clogs click clacking on the ground. As I ran and I ran with some rags in my hand to catch up with the rag and bone. Can I have a goldfish? I eagerly ask, but he hands me a pink donkey stone. The fish have all gone now, laddie, says to me, but here, take this stone to your mam. She'll be pleased as punch when you give her that. Now look out, lad. Go home. Now scram. My mum, she was livid when I got back home. What have you got in your hand? 
a donkey stall, ma'am. I just give the man some rags from the wash house I found. You garmless young idiot, me mother, she cried. Who told you you could go in there? And nick off with the washing that I have just dried. She fetched me a clip round me ear. She put on her clogs and she put on her shawl and she had to go out in the street and found the old ragman who was far away trundling along Derby Street. She got back a washing and she came back home not looking happy with me. Oh yes, I got a drubbing and I got sent to bed and had to go without any tea. I can't abide the cold. I hate the damp, it doesn't matter what I try to do. Put curtains across the doorways, put cardboard in my shoes. I make a door stopper from the legs of my old blue jeans. Filled to bursting with old tights and cut up magazines. I throw more logs on fire, throw old shells on the sofa. A draft blows through from the scullery and I have to go for a walk out in the backyard and face the freezing snow. For to use the privy, that's where I've got to go. My nana nitty gloves for me, though fingerless they are, they help to keep the arthritis out. Thank you for that, nana. And some would say that I am Nash, I can't abide the cold. I put an extra cardio on, and in a blanket rolled up on the sofa, I'll stay till spring arrives. That's if I have made it through and I am still alive. Mardy bum. Our Harry, fetch the bucket, the tin one in the backyard, and go down to the coal hole. Come on now, don't be mad. I know it's cold and dark down there, with spiders roaming free, but here's a stub of candle, Harry, so that you can see. Fill the bucket up, our lad, to the very brim. Aye, it will be heavy, but don't look all so grim. We need to get the coal up, Harry. Don't be wasting time. You are a big boy now, lad, I know you're only nine, but your grandad was sweeping chimbleys when he was your age, and your uncle Ernie was going down pits in a cage. I'm telling you to do it, Harry. The cold just makes me cough. I'm not as young as you are, lad, so go on, don't be soft. The Ghost of My Great Gram Great Grandma woke me up last night, I thought it was a dream. She stood there at the side of my bed and I nearly gave a scream. She had her best cardigan on, covered with a shawl. Her skirt went down to floorboards, but she'd got no feet at all. She was floating in the air, she gave me a shock. She didn't have a penny on, over her best frock. She bent and whispered in me ear, her breath was icy cold. What are you doing in that bed at half past six, be told? I'd have been up hours ago, made beds and set the fire. Made breakfast and done ironing, oh gosh I did perspire. My great-grand can't stand lazy bones. She brought her kids up by hand. Great-grandma, what are you doing here? I just don't understand. I'll have none of your back chat. Now get up out of that bed. Have you washed? Have you been on Gosander? Washed your hands and your head? Get thee downstairs quick, my girl. Have you seen Oldham Town? I've heard there's a virus, so we best get kneeling down. With our scrubbing brushes and our donkey stone. Get scrubbing steps and pavements. Hey, where's them cobbles gone? Great Gran looked out the window and I jumped out of my bed and around to find me mum and dad and in a hurry said, Me Great Gran's in my bedroom. Me father said, Don't lie. Great Gran's gone to heaven, Chuck, because yesterday she died.
The Knicker Knicker. When you lived in a house like ours, you had to be discreet. When it came to washing stuff, it stink like smelly feet. Me mam, she was so vigorous in keeping us lot clean, scrubbing us with carbolic soap and washing our hair with ozine. Our clothes went in the big wash, in dolly tub and mangle, but stuff that she would call our smalls in scullery would dangle. On a rack above our heads, she'd now put them outside, pegged out on the washing line. It wouldn't suit her pride. But one day it was warm outside, and I needed clean drawers. So I washed mine in the scullery sink, and then I went outdoors and pegged them on the washing line. They dry quicker out there. Came back in the house and got the bowl out for to wash my hair. I washed my face, my neck, my hands, because my mum would swear I'd only had a cat lick. Dirty ears, it'd buy me hair. So there I was, all nice and clean, and smelt of disinfectant, and dried and dressed, I went outside, being fully expectant, to find my knickers fluttering, nice and dry on lime. But mercy me, oh flaming neck, no knickers there of mine were to be seen. They were gone, and the clothes pegs too. Oh, by gum now, if my mum finds out, there'll be a right to do. Knickers missing was one thing, but her best pegs and all. Flaming neck, she's got a wallet me right up against the wall. Oi, missus, are these yours? A voice cried out, I turned. Around and saw the window cleaner, and my cheeks did burn. He had my knickers in his hand. It found them on the floor. I nearly washed the windows with them, but if they're yours, you can have them back, young la- lady. You do not need to beg, but I really wouldn't mind keeping them fancy pegs. This one's called Magazine Dreams. Lots of photos of pretty ladies dressed up like in a dream, showing legs and showing arms, Faces all made up and eyelashes like Bambi's. It sure made our eyes pop. My mum said they were models, advertising swimming wear. We don't get sun in Oldham like they do over there. Me, our Bill and Harry, we couldn't help but stare. Flaming exit Harry, they don't wear much out there. So where's this place in Hollywood, Harry wants to know. It looks better than Oldham, our Harry's pet pet fetched a paper in. We've not seen its like before. He found it down the back alley. It was lying on the floor. My mum called it a magazine. We thought it was a scream and I'd really like to go. Don't be daft, our mother said. It's halfway around the globe. It cost more than an arm and a leg. They'd have to get a job and save up for a year or two if you wants to go there. But don't be daft, our Harry. Just be happy where. The good Lord has placed you here in Oldham Town. Get you a job and save some cash and put a deposit down on a house and get married. Maybe you'll have some kids. Forget that place called Hollywood. Your father never did. Fancy going to live there with the likes of them film stars. Aye, it looks nice in the magazine, but it would take your hours upon a boat or on a plane to get you sent away. No, my lad, stop here with us. Listen to what I say. It might look nice in Hollywood. There are no pits or mills. What would you do for work out there? I don't think you will. Like it much. You would get bored. Give that paper to me. I've got a better use for it. I'm sure you will agree. My mum, she took the magazine and ripped it up in shreds, tied them up in little knots, and to us all, she said, 
Stick them in the earth, my lads. No Hollywood desires. We can use these paper knots to help us light the fire. Put the coal on top of them. Now watch, and with a match, my mother set the knots alight. We watched as like a flash. The coals on top began to burn. There, see, our mother grinned. The better use of fire lighters and don't bring no more in. Love at the dance hall. Aye, you won't believe it, but when the war was on and people lived on rations and made up their own fun, there was a little dance hall just down the road near docks. No need to meet at railway stations underneath the clock. You could go to dance hall. It was run by local church, so everything was above board. No one left in the lurch. You would have some music played from the radio. Sit round in a big circle till it was time to go. Out onto the dance floor, made out of old parquet, and team up with your partner, and the songs began to play. For some it was the tango, that was a bit risque. For us it was the cha-cha-cha, a safer dance some way. A waltz was always a safe bet, it was always done with style. Then you'd sit down and have a rest, and chat with friends a while. Drinks with tea or coffee, we all were very good. Wouldn't dare to earn a glare from the old maids who would. Make you feel like something that had crawled out from under a stone. Made you watch your P's and Q's and never be alone. You had your dancing partners, might be lumped with greasy mo, who never seemed to wash her hair. A family lived below the corner shopping cellar. Still, we must not say a word. Her other house was bombed out, and they had not left, I heard. Or you might have to dance with Lance, and he was six foot two, and you were only four foot ten. Oh, that's a real to-do. But the dance hall is proper. The church ladies see to this. No holding hands, and certainly no one's allowed to kiss. Some people met their spouses there. The courtship would be short. In cinema and the church hall, and a wedding ring was quickly bought. The church ladies were ecstatic. A new couple were wed, safely in white. Oh, what a sight, after the bands were red. Our Harry's got an idea, in his big lump of head. He thinks he can outsmart me, ma'am. Oh, forget the things she said. To all of us since we were small, after me dad had gone, to keep her, our heads down, shut our gobs, and always stay close to home. Our Harry didn't listen once he was 17. What had, we had to keep shut about was like a silent scream. We don't know why Dad left us, or where he might be now, or even why our mother was always wiping her brow whenever she saw a copper walking on his beat. If she saw him, she made sure to get us off the street, get into the backyard, though it was pretty small. We hadn't got a clue back then. We didn't know at all. But Ara, he was clever. That's what he liked to think. And he couldn't keep his gob shut. And when he'd had a drink, in the pub across the road one cold December night, his trap door he had loosened and he got in a fight. He and my man was flummoxed when the copper fetched him home. I didn't know what she said to him when she got him alone. My dad was in an attic. That was, of course, the top. Our little Terry's cottage, because he'd run a betting shop, which back then was illegal, so he was hiding there. 
My mother had to keep it quiet. She was pretty scared. She tried to keep us quiet and not attract a bus. Now Harry had a copper looking down at us. At last the copper went away and after he had gone, she took a broom to Harry's back and told him to think on. The dad will go to prison if you drop us in the muck. And so far we have kept quiet with a little look. I said to keep your head down, don't want no coppers here. Just watch your step out, Harry, or your dad will disappear. That's the spirit, stadium watching TV, and my feet propped up. Read a woman's weekly and I drank tea from my cup. So I've got days of leisure, seven days at most. But then I had a problem. It was Carmi, great grand's ghost. She stood there in the doorway and she looked me up and down. What do you think you're doing? She said to me with a frown. It's called self-isolation, Gran, because of me age. Age, she said, what do you mean? I'm sure you can manage to get up off that chair and get some housework done. Get your pinny on me, girl. This is no time for fun. Do you think I sat around when the last war was on? No, me girl, I never did. I've far too much to be done. So get yourself back on your feet. It's not a holiday. Get baking, making batch food, and listen to what I say. You can make out from now. Remember years ago, we had no fridge or freezer, or big shops to go, to fill our house with victuals, and just for toilet roll. What have you done with newspapers? Rip them up and make an hole in each piece and corner, and string them all together. Come on, my girl, now shake yourself and get yourself a feather duster for to clean the house, just like I used to do. Bicarbonate of soda and vinegar too. Don't spend silly money on cleaning tackle when. You could spend that on victuals like we did way back when. We were all on rations. Did you take notice, dear? Yes, I said, and watched as she began to disappear. Piano keys. Hey up, Mrs Green has died. She lived at 54. We'll not be hearing her piano playing no more. Here she kept us entertained. We loved the tune she played. Songs she'd heard at Picture House. A lovely song she made. Her son Henry will keep the house. Her other kids have gone. Got married and moved out. Except, of course, for John. She lost him in 45 when he fought in the war. He went off whistling down the street and he never came back no more. Now Henry says that piano is the first thing that will go. His mum's not cold yet in her grave. I'm glad she'll never know. He says that he's getting a big radiogram to play the records on it. He is poor old man. We'll never hear her sing again. Instead we'll all be made to hear the songs he listens to. Sinatra will be played. And no doubt Judy Garland, and I think he likes Mozart. So you better get ready for this music to start. Blasting round the cobbles, frightening old Joe's arse when he fetches the milk round, with the cart, of course. He we never would have dreamed our life would change in street. After Mrs Green had died, and the bobby on the beat might go and tap on window of number 54 and tell Henry to turn that racket down. Is making our ears sore, the copper's asking Henry. Indeed, if he could just take his mum's piano. He said he wants the wood to make it into something else. 
a drinks bar if you please. I wonder what he's going to do with all those ivory keys. <laughs> 